Ephesians chapter 3. Amen. My heart is full this morning, and I believe that Father is going to say some very important things to us today. So I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you being engaged while you're here. I appreciate the Holy Spirit helping us bring our hearts to attention, giving us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to understand. Amen. Let me just say from the very beginning this morning, we're going to say some challenging things today. And uh, my, my prayer already has been and remains um, that um, you'll not just hear me this morning, but you'll hear the Holy Spirit as He speaks to you as an individual. The Lord knows where every one of us are. He knows our hearts. He knows what's in us. Amen. He knows you better than you know yourself. And the beautiful thing about that is He loves you. He's not mad at you. He only wants good for you. And so any correction the Lord brings into my life, I welcome that um, because, amen, I, I want to I do better. I want to I grow more. I want to experience more of what he has for me. Um, I heard Brother Keith Moore, uh, he was preaching a message this week, and in that message he, he made the statement. He said, if you knew you were deceived, you wouldn't be. If you knew you were deceived, you wouldn't be. And um, I don't know about you, but I've been wrong before and thought I was right. And the only way, um, you know, the only hope for, for someone who's wrong and thinks they're right is if we're willing to receive correction from the Word of God and from the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so uh, I, I thank God that He is uh, correcting me. And I believe He's correcting us. He's helping us dial in some things that we need to, to dial in and adjust um, in our lives. Praise God. And I'm extremely excited about it. Praise God. All right. Let's begin in Ephesians chapter 3. And um, I'm going to read several verses just because I want to sow them into your life or water them if they've already been sown there. Um, and, um, and we'll see where we uh, go from there. Amen. Verse 14, Ephesians 3 and 14. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, these verses cover a lot of ground, more ground than we got time to cover together this morning. But where he ends is but another milestone in what the Holy Spirit revealed to Paul, who in turn then revealed it to you and me. The verses above verse 14 that for this reason I bow my knees is referring to are what Paul called the fellowship of the mystery or the unfolding by the church of the manifold, manifold wisdom of God to the principalities and powers of darkness. He's talking about a plan that was in the heart of God before time began, before the universe and the earth and all that was created. A plan that was in the heart of God that existed before God breathed breath into the nostrils of Adam, but, but, but 
that was when the plan was launched, if you will. That was where the unfolding or the beginning um, of this plan coming into reality, um, you know, was first executed. I guess we could use that word as well. Now, if we were going to try to sum up that plan in a single word, we said that word would be oneness. Oneness. Because what we actually see is that God's plan involved creating a being in His image and likeness. A being that would be compatible with Him and comparable to Him for the purpose of making that created being one with Himself. Now, I understand that for a lot of folks, this, this almost seems like you know, something spooky or something cultish or some extreme truth or some extreme doctrine. But again, we see it over and over and over in the Word of God. In the Old Testament, there was a standard that was established in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a matter be established. So the idea is, if one person came in and um, let's say I was on trial, and the only person that could testify against me was Michael, that wouldn't be enough. But if Michael and Jason and Hiawatha, see now we got three witnesses all confirming, all saying the same thing. So the standard then is in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a matter be established. But that's also uh, a biblical principle as well. In other words, if you think you found something in the Word of God, um, you'll be able to find it two or three or more other places in the Word of God to confirm it. Old Testament, New Testament, epistles, Jesus, so forth and so on. And so when we talk about this oneness that God desires to have with us, amen, on the surface it, it sounds you know, a bit extreme, but we see it not in the mouth of two or three witnesses, but in the mouth of 20 or 30 witnesses. Are you hearing me? It is all throughout the Scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament. Obviously, we weren't able to clearly see it in the Old Testament because in the Old Testament, we only see shadows of what is now a reality since Jesus came and we are living in the New Testament. But again, this idea that God's desire for you is to have oneness with you. We described the fellowship of the mystery and the manifold wisdom of God to be unfolded and proven by the church, which is His body, by the way, you and me, this way. We said it was an eternal, elaborate, and audacious plan birthed in the heart of God to increase Himself and expand His glory by creating a being comparable to and compatible with Himself and then give that being, you and me, a choice to love Him and be one with Him. Now, again, I'm under assignment this morning to just cover some things. So if this is repetitive, it's, it's done so deliberately. The one thing God desires, does not have and cannot create, is love freely, giving, love freely given from a willing heart by others comparable to and compatible with himself. One more time, the one thing God desires, does not have and cannot create, is love freely given from a willing heart by others comparable to and compatible with himself himself. And so we said that this life is both a proving ground and a training ground. Now, I'm well aware that these things are on the extreme end of the spectrum where many people are concerned. I'm also well aware that um, we have to receive the truth line upon line, line upon line, 
precept upon precept, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. Those verses are referring to the way God's truth is built into and ultimately established in our lives. And to me, it creates the image of someone laying brick. You have to lay brick line upon line or row upon row. And so in the same way, the truth of God has to be built into our lives line upon line, row upon row, truth upon truth. Some truths are dependent upon other truths to support them. In other words, you can't lay row number 43 of the brick until you've laid row 1, 2, 3 all the way up to row 42 because all those other rows of brick are needed to support that next row. And so when it comes to the truth that we have in God's Word that He's desiring to build into your life, not just something that you hear, not just, not just something that you know a little more about, but He's trying to build this into our lives to the point that it becomes a part of our personality. He's trying to build these truths into our lives to the point that it, it becomes something that empowers us. He's trying to build this truth into your life that it becomes an impregnable wall that the lies of the enemy, the fiery darts of the enemy cannot penetrate any longer to where there are certain lies that are not only put in the rearview mirror of your life never to haunt you or bother you or plague you again and the doubts that those lies try to produce in our lives, but the view mirror that, that, that even made those lies visible in the first place have been broken off and thrown out of the sunroof. Amen. Amen. So these things are being built into our lives. And again, it's line upon line, line upon line. Now, last week, the, the messages were titled Audacious, the Fellowship of the Mystery, Part, Part 5, and Beyond Comprehension, the Evening Service. Beyond Comprehension, the Fellowship of the Mystery, Part 6. Now, I'm going I'm to continue to ask you, now what you do with this between you and God, okay? I'm just, I'm here to do what's between me and Him. And between me and Him, He's asked me to ask you, even if you've heard these messages, to get them and listen to them um, again. Amen. And I, I'm not trying to sell you something, we're trying to give you something that's free, okay? Um, and this is something that I have uh, done myself. Amen. And will continue to do. Amen is to um, listen to these things. Because faith doesn't come by having heard. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. Amen. And we'll, it may be tonight before we get to that in greater detail. But nonetheless, allow the Holy Spirit to continue to sow these things into your life. Listen to me now. To continue to sow these things into your life. But remember, once a seed is sown, it needs two primary things in order for it to grow and ultimately come to manifestation or fruition in your life. And those two things that it needs are light and water. It needs light and water. Do you know there are seeds of greatness in every person in this room? I said there are seeds of greatness in every person in this room. If you're here this morning and you're not even born again, your Creator puts seeds of greatness in you. And those seeds will only be realized in your life through light and water. And it just so happens to be that the light and water we're talking about is the light and water that is the Word of God. The entrance of His Word gives light and the, He bathes us, He washes us, He waters us with the water of His Word. There are things inside of you that exist there in seed form. When, anytime you hear seed in the Scriptures, especially as it pertains to you, you need to think potential. 
Because if a seed is anything, a seed represents potential. A seed is potential. And so there are seeds of greatness in you, which means there's potential for greatness in you. How do we bring that potential out? How, how do we develop and cultivate and re ultimately release that potential? Well, amen. It's going to require, it's going to require light, illumination, and it's, and it's going to require water. Amen. Now, what I'm learning in my own life is the more time I spend and effort I put towards adding the light and water of God's Word into my heart and mind, the more that potential within me is activated and is, and is coming to fruition, coming to manifestation in my life. All right, there's a lot more to come. But I mention it now because of this one thing. This teaching, this doctrine, whatever you want to call it, is one of the most fought against and resisted teachings in all the Word of God. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, it is perhaps the most near and dear of all truths to our Father's heart. Because again, the Bible says He created all things to this intent. He created all things for this purpose. So that, in other words, the earth exists because of you and you exist because of God and, 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 and God's desire for you to become one with Him. If there's, no, if, there's, if there's no human being, there's no earth because there's no need for the earth. This earth exists because God created it so that there would be a place for you and me to come and be trained and be proven. What began in the Garden of Eden ends with a wedding feast in heaven. And all of us becoming one with our groom, all of us becoming one with our head, the body of Christ, becoming one with the head, Jesus. Amen. So your entire time on planet Earth, we make it about everything else, but I'm telling you, please, please hear me when I say this. I beg of you to hear me when I say this. This life isn't about how much money you earn. This life isn't about how successful you become. This life is about you becoming one with God and, and being trained to that end, being proven to that end so that you can walk worthy of the calling with which you have been called, the purpose for which you've been created. It's a training ground. It's a proving ground. Thank God our trainer and master is the great and merciful God. Thank God He loves us with unconditional love. Thank God He's not looking for a way to exclude you. He's looking for a way to include you. Your standing with Him is not in jeopardy. It's never been any more sure than it is right now because now your standing with Him is, is a gift that's been given to you by Jesus. Still doesn't change though. It's training ground, proving ground. Getting you and me ready for what's next. The glories that await us. Oh, sweet Jesus. It's beyond comprehension. So notice Paul's response to this mystery, to the understanding of this elaborate plan, was to fall on his knees before God and pray that you and me would be strengthened, that we would be strengthened, that I, you and I would be strengthened with might by the Spirit of God in our inner man. You will never... You will never receive these things through analysis. You will never receive these things through logic and human rationale. You, you will never receive these things through human intellect.
or religious traditions. You will only receive them by the Spirit of God enabling you inwardly to receive these things. Okay? Now, I want you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 2. Isaiah 54 and verse 2. Thank you, Jesus. Isaiah 54 and verse 2, and it says this. Enlarge, enlarge the place and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. All right, this same passage from the message translation, clear lots of ground for your tents. Make your tents large, spread out, think big. Use plenty of rope, drive the tent pegs deep. Now, at the end of what Paul presented to the church by the Holy Spirit in Ephesians chapter 3, this fellowship of the mystery, this elaborate, eternal, audacious plan that's beyond comprehension. It is such an amazing truth. Paul concludes that section by saying, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you and I can ask or think. Are you hearing me? In other words, Paul is saying, there may not be room in your thinking right now for this, but that doesn't mean it's not true. There may not be room in, in what you believe is possible for what I'm telling you right now, but don't think it's impossible just because there's no room in your heart for it. There's no room in your mind for it. There's no room in your life for it. Because we're talking about God now, right? And with God, all things are possible. And if God makes up His mind to do something, it doesn't matter how long it takes or how much it costs, He is going to see it through to fulfillment. So Paul is saying, look, this, this may seem so far out there. This may seem like such a huge truth. Who can bear it? Staggering truth, like the truth that staggered Abraham and Sarah when God told them in their senior years that they were going to have a child. He says, listen, this may stagger you. This, this goes beyond your ability to comprehend. He said, I've got that already. That's why I'm praying the Holy Spirit would give you strength in your inner man to comprehend it and receive it so that you could be filled with all the fullness of God. All the fullness of God is speaking of the glory of God. All that God is and all that God has. He's talking about your life being filled with everything that God is filled with. That goes beyond our ability to comprehend. It goes, listen, it doesn't just go beyond our ability to comprehend. It goes beyond the understanding most people have when it comes to God and who He is and what He's about and what He's interested in doing. 
In other words, there are a lot of people who are born again, but they can't conceive of a God who wants to give to you everything He is and everything He has. But yet, what else does being filled with all, not even... Listen, this would have been an extreme passage if he had said, filled with a portion, filled with some of, filled with a little bit of what God is full of. Man, it was like, okay, wow, sign me up, right? But no, no, he said, filled with all the fullness of God. I'm not making this up, right? This is the Bible. This isn't, this isn't Mark Winslow's Bible. This is the Word of God. So, if this is stretching the room inside your tent, then good. It's supposed to. Because unless the Holy Spirit and the Word of God places a demand on the potential that's in you, it'll just be unrealized potential. But anytime a, a demand is placed upon our potential, there is an amount of discomfort associated with that. Let me say it another way. We don't like people, or for that matter, God, trying to get us to grow and do better. We'd rather folks just, you know, leave us alone. Mind your own business. Aren't you glad God didn't mind His own business where we were concerned? As a matter of fact, you are His business. But you understand what I mean by that? I know my multiplication tables today because somebody in my past placed a demand on my potential to learn them. If it were left up to me, Matthew and myself and Meredith, we'd have never parked our bicycles on a summer afternoon and went and sat under the dogwood trees in the backyard to learn our times tables. A demand was placed upon my potential. I didn't like it. Didn't really care a whole lot about it. But it was required of me, and because it was required of me, and because there was accountability in my life, and because I was, I was being taught and trained to be responsible, right? A demand was placed on my potential, and now I can tell you seven times eight is 56. I don't have to pull out my iPhone, and I got it, right? I know that. So, the Bible says in the last days that people will seek out preachers who just tell them what they want to hear. That doesn't, listen to me now, that doesn't mean that preacher's necessarily lying or, or, or you know, we think, well, them, you know, they're just telling folks whatever. No, they could very well be telling them what they want to hear from the Bible. What you want to hear and what you need to hear sometimes two different things. And so the Holy Spirit is speaking to us because there is potential in us for something much more than what we've been experiencing in life. And so the word is, you've got to make room in your tent. You've got to make the tent bigger. You've got to make the, the cords that support that tent longer. And you've got to drive the stakes deeper. The problem that we have in the body of Christ today is everybody's just perfectly fine with the tent they got. Right? 
Who do you think you are to suggest that there needs to be something done to my tent, Pastor Mark? I'm not the one daring to suggest it. I'm reading to you from the Word of God. And the reason our Heavenly Father is speaking to us this morning as the body of Christ, as the family of faith here at Heritage, the reason His word for us this morning is make your tent bigger, make the stakes deeper, drive the stakes deeper, and make the cords longer, is because He's wanting to increase you. He's wanting to add to us. He's wanting to bring more into your life than what you're currently experiencing, but He cannot do it given the size of your tent right now. I was, um, this would have been, uh, let's see, probably 1986. In those days at UAB, classes were two hours. It was a two-hour class. We were on a quarter system in those days instead of semester system. And a, a lot of the professors, when they would give exams, they would do the exams in the first hour, um, and then have you stay for class after the exam. Well, you had to stay in the room, you know. So I finished my exam, turned it in, and, and um, so I kept a, uh, a paperback Bible in, in my uh, backpack or whatever it was. And so I just pulled it out, and I was, I was reading in John, the 15th chapter. And in John 15, he talks about bearing fruit and your fruit remaining. Boy, the Holy Spirit just started moving on me right there in that class. And unless, you know, I'm sure a lot of you have had this happen. If, if you haven't, I pray that it'll happen to you soon. But, I mean, it just, it, that thing just started running through me. And I, part of it was, I, you know, I, I knew that God had called me to preach and to minister. And I never could get settled on where I was supposed to go to school. And so I'm at UAB doing the best I can. But obviously it's not a seminary. There's no Bible classes there, thank God. There's no Bible classes. I don't know if thank God's right or not. But I'm not sure we'd want those folks teaching the Bible classes or not. But anyway, forgive me for saying that. But I, It was just a, a weird time in my life. And, and I remember reading that. And I, I was sitting there in that class wondering if I was wasting my time even going to school there. And just a cry, I don't know how to describe it other than just a cry came from deep inside of me. And I just simply said, I was crying. I was like... I mean, literally, I'm like, I'm afraid they're going to put me out of the class because I'm, it's, it's starting to almost get to the uncontrollable part just there. You know, I, I remember saying, Holy Spirit, please not right now. Let's just do this later, you know. And, and I said, Lord, I just, I just want to bear fruit for you, and I want that fruit to remain. That was, that was the cry of my heart on that afternoon. Well, um, Jesse Duplantis was preaching at camp meeting at Gary Wood in 1986 that evening. And... I was on the third or fourth row, um, right-hand angle section if you're standing in the pulpit. And Jesse Duplantis walked to the end of that row and he pointed to me. He said, come here. And I'm like, he goes, yes, come here. So I got out and I walked out in the aisle. And, um, and he began to prophesy over me. And then he quoted Isaiah 54 too. And then he went to lay his hand on me. And his hand got about that far, about that close to my chest. 
And I'm not kidding you, I began to feel the heat from his hand. And he got about three inches from my chest. I'm a little bit taller than him. No offense, Brother Jesse, but I'm a little bit taller than him. Amen. I'm a lot taller than him. So he was reaching up, right? Right before he put his hand on my chest, he pulled it back. And he looked at me and he said, I'd already closed my eyes. He said, look at me. And I looked at him and he said, the Holy Spirit said, you will bear fruit and your fruit will remain. And he put his hand on my chest. And I was like going out, Brian, I was going backwards in the Holy Spirit wanting to tell him what happened, you know. But anyway, he did. Maybe one day I'll be able to tell him that story. I talked about this passage. I mentioned it last Sunday evening. Monday morning, my mother says, you remember when we first experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I said, yeah. She says, I was at a women's meeting and she asked me if I knew the lady. I remembered her name, but I didn't remember it. I don't remember her face, but I know who she was talking about. She said, she called me out and she prophesied that verse over me. And I was like, are you kidding? That's, that's the same. Okay, maybe that was just for me and my mom. But are you hearing what I'm saying? Father's saying, make room in your life for God to work in you and add to you. Make room in your life for God to work in you and add to you. Turn with me quickly to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Thank you, Jesus. All right, we'll probably finish right here. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 11. Are you good? Are you blessed? All right, so for those of you who think we have moved away from the fellowship of the mystery and the manifold grace of God, we have not. We need what we're talking about now so that we will know what to do with what we'll be talking, what we've already talked about and what we're going to talk about in the days ahead, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, it says this, O Corinthians... We have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. All right, now I don't always ask you to do this, but if you underline or highlight things in your Bible, I want to ask you to underline or highlight this one. Verse number 12, you are not restricted by us but you are restricted by your own affections. Let me give you the same passage from the message translation. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you are living them in a small way. Oh, my Lord. We didn't fence you in. We didn't fence you in. I made some comments to this end at our 20th anniversary celebration first Sunday in June of this year. I'm, I, I thank you for all the encouraging words. Any encouraging word you ever want to send my way, I receive it and I thank you for it. I'm not making these statements though 
fishing for encouragement. Please hear me. This is the first time I've ever pastored. I am learning, okay? Preaching comes easy for me. Preaching, um, I, I don't know. The Lord's going to, he's showing me there's some things that you'll be hearing about in, in, the, in the weeks and months ahead. Um, but I, I have more sermons right now. I have 22 pages of slides with me in the pulpit this morning, okay? And to give you some idea, we've covered not even a half a page or three pages maybe of slides, okay? It's, that part comes easy for me, all right? And certainly I ask the Lord to help me get better and, and more precise and, and all that stuff in the preaching part. The, the, the pastoring part, amen. Um, hallelujah. He's, he's, he's helping me with that. And, and he's helping you in Jesus' name, praise God, with what all that relationship looks like. But I'm going to tell you, and I'm not patting myself on the back, because I've certainly made some mistakes, but one mistake I have not made is try to fence you in. I haven't made that mistake. I haven't tried to limit you. I've, I've tried to grow you. Amen. People come and people go, and sometimes that's the way it's supposed to be. Other times, people come, should have stayed, and they left. Sometimes they come back, sometimes they don't. My belief has always been that there has to be freedom to come and go if there's going to be freedom while you're here. Not trying to restrict you. Not trying to hold you back. As much as it affects me emotionally, if you choose to go kick the tires of another church or, or go join yourself with another church, I hope you'll still speak to me when we cross paths in Walmart and we'll love each other and, and just keep moving, okay? Because I'm not going to try to hold you back. That's not, that's not who I am and that's not what I'm here to do. Jesus did not try to hold His disciples back. And anyone who ministers in His name is not supposed to hold one of Jesus' disciples back. I'm here to help you launch into what God has for you and what He created you for. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I could preach something else besides this. I say that. That's really not true. In other words, I have other things to preach. But I, I, I have no choice. Like Paul said, you know, the love of Christ constrains me. My love for you will not allow me to preach anything but this right now. But what I mean, I could, I could push that aside and just preach some other uh, message that perhaps a lot more people would rather hear that doesn't put as much a demand on their potential. We could cancel Sunday night service and not do that anymore and make some of you feel better about yourself for not coming when you know you should. But that's okay. I'm not trying to restrict you. I'm trying to train you. I'm trying to equip you. I'm trying to get restrictions and the limitations off of you so that you can live the life that God created you to live and so that you can do the things that He put you on this earth to do. Amen. I got a lot to do on Wednesdays. Another two-hour class to teach. Amen. I don't have to be at the foundry early in the morning to teach. But guess where I'm going to be in the morning? Early to teach. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because I'm trying to help people enjoy the freedom and the life and the oneness 
God is trying to glorify us. And we won't let him. We won't let him. He's trying to promote you. He's trying to prosper you. He's trying to make you one of the richest people that's ever existed in your whole family tree. And you won't let him. You won't let him. He said, if we're restricted, it's, listen. God will not restrict you and the devil can't. God won't and the devil can't. He said, if you're restricted, it's because of your own affections. The only limit, the only restriction for the child of God imposed, the only restrictions, the only limits on the child of God are the ones imposed by our own affections you know why so many people fight against this message fight against the idea of, of oneness with God it's the same spirit behind the lies that we created ourselves To believe that absolutely nothing exploded one day that formed condensation that created bacteria in, a, in, in, in a, a, a puddle of water that became a tadpole, that became a frog, that became a bird, that became a monkey, that went to school and became you and me. That's a really convenient truth. You know why? Because to believe that and live your life according to that means there's nobody you have to give an account to and there's nobody you have to answer to when, when you die one day. You just take a dirt nap and it's all over. It's a very convenient truth, right? And that's why people insist on believing it as ridiculous and as ludicrous as it is. Because, again, there's no accountability there to believe that there's actually an intelligent designer, that there's actually a reason and a purpose for your life, and that it's, it's more than binge-watching Netflix and seeing how much money you can get in the bank. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That there's actually a greater and higher purpose and calling for our existence on planet Earth, right? Now, see, if we're going to believe that, now we've got some accountability. Now we've got some responsibility. Now there's somebody we've got to answer to. And that's too much trouble. That's, that's too inconvenient. And so we choose to believe something that's more convenient. We choose to seek out people who will tell us what we want to hear. Somebody that will tell us on a Sunday morning not to go tell a lie. You should have learned not to tell a lie when you were in kindergarten or before kindergarten. We're talking about the truths of God so that we can go into the deeper life that God has for each one of us to live. But it's very easy to say, God doesn't want us to be one with Him. God didn't create us to be compatible with Him. God didn't create us to be comparable to Him because to believe that means there's a responsibility connected with it. So we don't want to hear it. We don't want that demand to be placed on our potential. So we just write off anybody that ever dared to say it as some kind of fanatic or some kind of cult. And it's the heart of God for you. So I'm not fencing you in with small thinking. I'm not fencing you in with best you can ever hope for is keep God from being mad at you most of the time and maybe make it to heaven one day. I'm not fencing you in with those lies. This word restrict, it means to limit or deprive. He said, you're not restricted by us. You're not limited or deprived by us. 
but you are limited or deprived by your own affections. This word restrict, it means to prevent from increasing or doing. To prevent from increasing or doing. To limit one's freedom. To limit one's freedom. Restricted. To limit someone to only doing or having a particular thing. To limit someone to staying in a particular place. Can I get real with you for a minute like I haven't already? Is there anybody besides me experiencing restriction in your life this morning? Anybody besides me feeling like something or someone's holding you back? Come on now. Anybody else listening today that can't shake a gnawing sense you were created for more than what you're doing and experiencing right now? God's not holding you back and the devil can't. We are restricted by our own affections. What are affections? Affections which you are a fond, that which you are fond of. Affections speaks of things you desire, things you value, things you treasure, things you enjoy. Something that affects you inwardly, mentally, your thoughts, emotionally, your feelings. You often express your affections by using statements like, I love, fill in the blank. I really enjoy, fill in the blank. I can't wait until, fill in the blank. These are your affections. Jesus said, where your affections are, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Who decides what you treasure? Who is responsible for making the list of priorities in your life? The problem that we have is the tent of our affections is filled with things that are restricting us. It's not that we don't love God. Come on now we got to break through this. It's not that we don't love God. We do. It's not that we don't enjoy God. We do. It's just there's a whole bunch of other things that we love and enjoy that take up our time and fill up our thoughts. We're talking about our other affections now. I'm going to finish right here. This may be an odd way to communicate this, but just this is exactly how the Lord gave it to me and I'm going to give it to you this way, okay? Have you ever been in a relationship with someone? Listen to me now. This could be a romantic relationship or it could be in a business relationship. It, it could be um, in a church relationship. You know, I mean, your relationship with the church or whatever. But let's, have you ever been in a relationship of any kind with someone who wanted more from the relationship than you wanted or, flip it, you wanted more from the relationship than they wanted. You understand you know what I'm saying? You know, you, maybe in business, there were some people that I had business relationships with that they became friends. We'd enjoy a meal together, hang out together, what have you, you know. Others, all they were interested in was a business relationship. They weren't interested in any kind of friendship beyond that. So, again, maybe if you go back to your dating years, if you ever had a crush on somebody, you, 
you know, sometimes when men and women or young men and young women become friends, if you're not careful, one can start to have romantic feelings for the other. And, and it's like, whoa, whoa, you're wanting something out of this relationship that I'm not looking for. In other words, we could, there's all kinds. I just want to make sure you understand this before I make this next statement, okay? Father wants more from a relationship with you than has ever entered into your wildest imaginations. I'm not sure what you think he wants out of a relationship with you, but I'm telling you, it's more than anything your mind has ever been able to comprehend. He's wanting to live inside of you. He's wanting to live through you. He's wanting your life to be consumed by his and his life to be consumed by yours. He, he is wanting the most, the deepest, most intimate most satisfying, most fulfilling relationship that is possible to have between two different individuals. That's what he desires to have with you. He desires to have a relationship with you that there is no other relationship on planet earth like it to compare it to. Marriage is the, between a husband and a wife is the only one that even remotely comes close to what he desires to have with you. Singers, musicians, come on. I said I was going to stop there, and I'm going to stop there. <clears throat> Tonight, I'm going to walk you through a very strategic list of things that the Holy Spirit gave to me he gave it to me driving from my house in Pleasant Grove to the church this morning. And I, mean, I was already trying to figure out which of the three sermons was right for this morning. And then he gave me a, another one. Okay, So I'm not telling you to brag. I'm just telling you the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. I'm, that's the only thing I'm trying to tell you is that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, and I know when he downloads something into me that fast, a sermon that will probably be a book one day is, is, is how rich this is, and yet he gave it to me that fast, okay? And that's just where we are right now. It's, he's, doing, he's trying to do a quick work in us if we'll, if we'll allow him to. I'm going to begin by saying this, all right? Now, I'm going to say begin. Where we're going to begin tonight is where we're ending right now. And that is the necessity for initiation on my part and on your part. In other words, what we're willing to put into this is going to directly impact what we realize. Not what God's given you. He's already given you these things, right? But how, how do we take this from something dormant inside of us that we don't even know is there to something that we're enjoying and experiencing in our lives? Let's go back to it. It's in you in seed form. And if you'll begin to put some light and some water 
some light and some water on the potential that God has invested in you, you will begin to see things start to come to pass in your life. You'll begin to experience things. You'll begin to desire things that you don't think you want right now. You'll, you'll begin to hunger for things. The people that, that, let's go back to it. Anybody feeling restricted? Anybody feeling stuck? Anybody feeling like you were created more for more than what you're experiencing right now? All of that, please hear me, is, is very real. But see, we think it's the devil or we think it's our boss or we, we think it's because we're not in the right place and if I could just get here or there or whatever, God would this and God could bless me then. or what? No, 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 see, again, that's the devil. He'll have you chasing your tail all over the United States and all over the world trying to find what's already inside of you right now. Let me give you some idea of what I'm talking about. How about if you spent an additional, I'm just going to throw a number out at you. How about if you spent an additional three hours a day listening to the Word of God? What would happen to most crops if they only got a few hours of sunlight every day? They wouldn't make it. They wouldn't make it. Initiative. Stand with me. Praise God. I've said it before, I'll say it again. I'm quoting one of Keith Lindsay's sons that spoke at his memorial service, but tears in his eyes, he said, it wasn't that my dad wanted more from me, it's that he wanted more for me. I want you to hear me this morning. I'm not trying to get more from you. I want more for you. I want more for you. Father, I thank you this morning for your truth and for your wisdom. I thank you, Father, for what you have prepared for each one of us, for those who love you. Father, there's enough potential latent within just the people in this room, not to mention those who will listen to this later. There's enough potential latent within us right now to not just change our families or to transform the work of the ministry here at Heritage, but Father, to change this city. Father, a handful in the book of Acts turned the world upside down. And so the Holy Spirit in us is no different than the Holy Spirit in them. Father, I pray this morning that you help us to not live our entire lives blinded 
to the kind of relationship you desire to have with us. The kind of fellowship you want to have with us. The enormous price you paid to give us the option, to give us the opportunity. Father, you've withheld no good thing from us. You gave us your kingdom, you gave us your son, you gave us your Holy Spirit, you gave us your word. You gave us the right and privilege to sit on the throne in heaven with Jesus, according to Ephesians chapter 2, sit there with him in heavenly places. Father, you refuse to restrict us. And because Jesus defeated the devil, he can't restrict us. So that just leaves us, Father. That just leaves our own affections, our own priorities. And Father, they're holding us back. They're keeping the greatness that you've put in us from benefiting the world around us. Oh, Father, that we long for you the way you long for us. Oh, that we long to talk to you the way you long to talk to us. That we long to glorify you the way you long to glorify us. Father, there's singers and musicians in this room. There's, there's poets in this room. Mathematicians, preachers and teachers. Artistic people of every kind, creativity, Father. Some folks know a little bit about what's in them. Others have no idea. There are people in here who have, who have gifts, Lord, that would change the world. They don't, they don't even know. Father, we need illumination. We need, we need to see it. The entrance of your word gives light. Father, I pray that the conviction and the passion Lord, for the truth of these things would weigh heavily upon us. Father, that if we've ever been committed, if we've ever been serious about something in our lives, that we would get, we would get real serious real fast about laying hold of these truths.
Father, may, they be, may there be glory in this church in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Thank you, Jesus. I want to invite you to come and pray if you'd like to. I'm going to find me a place to pray this morning. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. I know He's been speaking to me about my priorities, about my time, my affections. The lie the devil tells is because you're not, you're not chasing after sin and all that stuff anymore that, that it's okay. No, no, please hear me. Affections don't necessarily mean something sinful. It's as long as it's not something that will shed light upon and give water to cultivate the potential in your life. Amen. Amen. Praise God.